All right, welcome to another edition of the College 12-Pack. It's the second of that uh, 12-Pack, the six-pack. On a Wednesday, as we're recording, you'll hear this starting on Thursday morning. Uh, with me, as always, Tyler and Tune of LSU Tigers Wire. I'm Patrick Hahn, Senior Editor of the College Wires. And we've got a lot to get to today. You know, we got some big matchups. We're going to talk college football playoff rankings, uh, Michigan, Penn State, Heisman contenders as well as our bold predictions and lock of the week. Uh, Tyler, we're going to start off with our takeaways from the second college football playoff reveal, and honestly, not a whole lot exciting at the top, right? Nothing really changed if you look at the top teams. Ohio State, despite the early struggles against Rutgers in this last week, they remain at the top, followed by Georgia, Michigan, and then Florida State to round out the top four. But the thing that I want to talk about, here's my takeaway. How did Iowa sneak in to the top 25 over a team like Fresno State? Um, I'm sorry, but I, when I look at Iowa, they, they are the epitome of boring football. Uh, no offense to those who enjoy those 10-7 slobber knockers. That's offense optional. Not a fan of that. Maybe it's because I'm in the South where we don't where we don't play defense. You might know something about that, uh, Tyler, with uh, how your LSU Tigers have been doing as of late. And, uh, well, I guess you could throw Florida in there as well. Uh, but when we look at this, Iowa sneaking in, I'm not real sure about this. Because if, if you look at what what is the one thing I say each and every week, resumes. What is your resume, Iowa? The fact that you beat up on a very weak Big Ten West? Come on. Yeah, I mean, I, like, I get it. I get it. I mean, they are 7-2. and two. Like, I don't think there's any seven and two power five teams that are not ranked. I could be wrong about that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, I guess it's just, I mean, you, like you look at it, if they win this weekend against Rutgers, they're in all likelihood going to be a 10 and two team division champion going to get absolutely demolished by one of Michigan, Ohio state or Penn state. So like, yeah, like I don't think they're one of the 25 best teams in the country, but also they are seven and two and they're probably going to be a division winner. So I, I don't really know how you don't rank them. But yeah, something about it just doesn't quite sit right. Speaking of teams that don't quite sit right, uh, Tyler, you have a problem with Kansas State being ranked after suffering their third loss of the year again over a Fresno State team that is eight and one. Uh, with their only loss coming to a very pesky Wyoming team. But when you look at at the overall uh, resume, so to speak, I mean, Kansas State's not exactly a bad team, but now you've got three lost teams that are getting in above a one-loss team or uh, perhaps a team that should be ranked no matter what the NCAA says about postseason. The Dukes need some love here. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, the James Madison thing, like, they're not ranking them because, I mean, there's no real point because, like, these rankings are utility for the playoff. And then for the G5 purposes, the highest ranking team gets into the New Year Six. Obviously, that's not a factor with James Madison unless there's another waiver I think they've got out trying to get approved. I mean, they've gotten shot down at every turn. So, like, I'm not really very optimistic there, but I guess we'll see. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, the Kansas State thing, like, they're 6-3. and three. There's other three lost teams here. Like, I, I want to be clear, but, like, when you look at who they are, it's, I mean, an Arizona team that's red hot right now. It's an LSU team who is, you know, 6-3 and three with three losses against teams that are currently in the top 10. Um, a 7-3 and three Notre Dame team that, you know, has a loss to the number one team in the country, the number 11 team in the country, and a Clemson team that is probably better than 5-4 and four would have you to believe. 
So, you know, like, I, I, I think especially with Fresno, look, I think Fresno, I, I don't think people quite realize they've got a couple power five wins on their resume. They're not good ones. I mean, it's Arizona state and Purdue. It's not, it's not great. And they did go to overtime with an FCS team in Eastern Washington, but like, there's not many, you know, of these G five candidates that can claim multiple power five wins and the Wyoming loss, you know, it's at Wyoming. Like that's not the worst loss in the world either. Uh, you know, as far as like G five standards. So I'm a little surprised, like all the other three lost teams that made the top 25, I feel like have momentum more on their side versus Kansas state, which was coming off a loss against a backup quarterback at Texas and, and a real opportunity to make a statement, you know, in the big 12. I know you bring up a, a, a loss against Wyoming in Wyoming. Dude, you're giving me PTSD. I didn't even want to think about that <laughs> loss. Uh, but let's talk about contenders or pretenders. Uh, we're going to start with you, Tyler. Who is your contender who you're stamping as a pretender this week? Yeah, I've got – for me, it's Ole Miss, and, and for a couple of reasons. I think – I mean, first of all, let's just be real. Like, it – they are a contender nominally because they're an eight and one team. Um, They don't control their destiny in the sec West though. And it could all come crashing down this weekend. You know, they go play Georgia. We will see how that one goes. Um, You know, I'm not too optimistic about their chances in that game because I think the way that Georgia held up against Missouri made me a lot less uh, optimistic about the Ole Miss's odds of, of, of pulling the upset here. But, you know, I mean, obviously, so so for them to be a contender, it's going to require winning out. They can't afford a second loss. And they're also pretty much have no real shot at winning the West unless Alabama suffers a pretty surprising loss. So they need a lot to go their way to, to be in the playoff. You know, they're going to have to, first of all, win out, which entails beating Georgia and going 11-1. and one. And even then... Uh, they're going to have to, you know, probably get some chaos, you know, around them. So I'd say, first of all, you know, they don't have a statement win, really. Like, I mean, they've got a couple good ones in LSU and Tulane, um, but they've struggled also against some not great teams like Arkansas and Auburn. So I I, I don't, you know, I don't love the way they've played. So I think they're a pretender in that sense. And also, I just think when you look at their path and what it would take for them to make the playoff, I think it's easily the hardest path of any uh, one loss power five team. You know, it's interesting when you talk about the the old Miss game this weekend against Georgia. Um, you know, much like you said last week, if I squint at this game long enough, I could probably talk myself into taking Ole Miss. Especially when you look at how Missouri played last week and how they were able to really get after Georgia running the football. And arguably, Quinshawn Judkins is a much better running back, in my opinion, uh, than the back that they faced the week prior. But again... Uh, we're, we're talking about a Georgia team that seems poised to send a message. And against a loud, brash coach like Lane Kiffin, I think that Georgia's definitely going to give them their biggest punch, especially considering, uh, you know, Kirby Smart knows Lane Kiffin. I mean, they were together on the Alabama uh, coaching staff together. Uh, but for me, my pretender comes out of the Pac-12, and I'm talking about the Washington Huskies. The job they did last week against USC was – what they had to do, they had to win. And really, if you look at down the stretch who Washington is going to end up playing, there's not a whole lot that scares me as far as tripping them up until you get to that Pac-12 title game and you're talking about another matchup with Oregon. And as I've said time and time again, you put Oregon, Washington on a neutral field or in Eugene, I'm taking the Ducks. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I've kind of, I, my thoughts on Washington have changed quite a bit since earlier in the year. I'm not nearly as optimistic about this team as I was, I, even though they are undefeated still, I think the defense is a concern. I think we're going to see, you know, it hasn't been as good as I'd like it to. And just in general, this team is playing a bit questionably recently. And I actually disagree with you a little bit. I, I, I think there is a little bit of a reason to be concerned down the stretch here. I think both these next two games against Utah and Oregon State, both look like they could be a little tricky to me. You know, two pretty good defenses. Um, in Oregon State's case, not a bad offense either. You know, so I think especially that second game, but even Utah, when you look at the way that, you know, Utah has played, I think it's possible, you know, so I think that I do have concerns when they're playing a good defense that could potentially slow this offense down. And then, you know, with the way that their defense is played, could DJU just go off and have a big game and pull the upset? I, I think it's possible. You know, I will correct myself. Thank you for bringing that up. Utah. I did forget about the Utah matchup this weekend. Um, as far as what's going to happen there. Um, and I'll talk more about that in a minute. Uh, but really, when you look at Washington, I guess my my big thing was looking at the Washington State matchup I wasn't really too concerned with. I still feel like Washington is going to play Oregon, but I, I totally see what you're saying there. Um, it, but it, is that more on the fact that uh, we've seen these flashes where Penix doesn't look as strong in games? Is it because of the defense? I lean more towards the defense. I, you know, quarterbacks are going to have bad games, but when your defense is consistently allowing teams to hang around that shouldn't, uh, eventually he's going to get you burned. Uh, just look at USC, uh, who are coming off back to back losses, or, or I'm sorry, three losses in the last four games, and they got their uh, defensive coordinator fired. Which I don't know if you saw this, uh, Tyler, but as soon as they announced the firing. Of Alex Grinch, USC picked up a defensive commit, uh, which I just thought was quite hilarious. Uh, they waited until that man was fired, and then they started dancing on his grave. All right, let's talk about uh, Heisman contenders now that we're talking about Washington. You talk about Michael Pettig Jr. Who are your top two Heisman contenders as we head into this weekend? Yeah, so, I mean, he has lost a bit of luster in his candidacy, but I still do think Michael Penix uh, deserves to be in that mix. I mean, just when you look at the numbers, I think he's still been pretty good. I mean, the only game I would say where he was really shaky was the uh, Arizona State game, and that was just kind of uncharacteristic. Like, I, I don't really know. Even, like, that game did, wasn't even – the way they struggled in that game isn't even really similar to the way they've struggled in, you know, like the Stanford game or even the USC game. So I don't really know what to make of that one. That just kind of seems like an anomaly to me. Um, and, and, you know, he's still, I mean, is producing at a really high level. And the other guy I put up there with him is, is still Jaden Daniels, who I, I honestly think, despite them being seven and three, or sorry, six and three, and we'll see, you know, I think he can't miss this Florida game. I don't think he can afford to miss a game. He's practicing today, uh, expected to go full contact tomorrow. To, today being Wednesday, tomorrow being Thursday, just to be clear. So, um, you know, he... I think if he plays this game, I think he has a good chance of keeping on that pace to, to be a Heisman contender. And when you look at his numbers, I mean, he has 27 passing touchdowns. The only player in the country who has more is Caleb Williams with 28. And Caleb's played 10 games versus Jaden Daniels, nine. So, like, in terms of rate stats, uh, Jaden Daniels has been the best quarterback in the country this season. So, I think it's still – I mean, he wasn't even bad in the Alabama loss. Can't really blame it on him. So, I think he is, if he doesn't have a, a performance where it all falls apart, I think he has a really good chance still to win it. Okay. You know, and I and I can buy in on either one of those. 
Uh, let me give you a name. Marvin Harrison Jr. Best player on the field at any given time. I know this is a quarterback award. We know that. It's given to the quarterback, the best quarterback, on a team that's contending for a national championship. But I think Marvin Harrison Jr., just the way that he's able to take over games, if you look at his stats just in the red zone, eight receptions, 102 yards, seven touchdowns. So seven out of eight times you throw him the ball, he's scoring. Uh, I mean, he, the guy is unstoppable. Uh, he is a guy who can take over games. If you don't believe me, uh, basically go back and look uh, this season. Go back and look at what Georgia, until he got knocked out of the game against Georgia, Georgia looked like they were not playing for a national championship against TCU. Uh, just the way that he was able to absolutely take over that game. Uh, the other guy I'm going to go with, Bo Nix. Uh, I think the job that he's doing throwing the football, uh, he's very efficient, and he's got the Ducks team rolling along. Uh, he's limited his interceptions this year, throwing the touchdown. He's not running as much as he has, uh, especially as much as he had last year, but I still think Bo Nix uh, and the job that he's doing in Oregon, uh, he should he should be one of the guys that are invited to New York at the end of the year when at the Heisman Memorial Trophy Ceremony. Yeah, I mean, look, you'll never hear me say a negative word about Marvin Harrison Jr. on this podcast. I mean, he's he's crazy, and he's that entire Ohio State offense. You know, like, without C.J. Stroud, you know, Kyle McCord has done an okay job, but this isn't quite as electric as a, a passing offense as it was with C.J. Stroud. Um, they really rely on Marvin Harrison, you know, to get to get big plays. The problem I have is, like you said, though, it's a quarterback award. And when you look at his production this season, it's very good. Um, but he's not really on pace for like, I mean, you look at what Devontae Smith had to do to win the Heisman. He had like 1,800 receiving yards that year. Marvin Harrison is just not on pace to do that. So I, I have a hard time believing he puts up the kind of production it takes to, to get that invite. Bo Nix, though, is an interesting choice. I actually, you know, when we were planning for the podcast and you said Bo Nix, I was like, really? And then I looked at his numbers and I was like, okay, yeah, I can see it. I mean, he's really doing a lot better, I think, than ever than people even realize. You know, kind of a quiet candidate, but I feel like if he keeps up at this pace, maybe they win in a rematch against Washington where he outduels Michael Penix. I could kind of see him maybe being a late, late surger um, and, and getting getting that getting in that mix. Yeah, if you go back and look, uh, go to collegesportswire.usatoday.com. I actually had written about his uh, his odds to win the Heisman, according to Bet MGM. Bo Nix is the second best. He jumped up. He was plus 600 last week. This week, plus 200, just plus 50 behind Michael Penix Jr. You got Jaden Daniels at plus 300, then J.J. McCarthy, which I thought it was funny that Greg Doyle of the Indiana Star said, while that Michigan is going through this sign-stealing scandal, no way is he going to have J.J. McCarthy getting his Heisman vote this year. Uh, we also have Jordan Travis coming in at fifth. Marvin Harrison Jr., Carson Beck, Dylan Gabriel, Caleb Williams, and Jalen Milrow round out the top ten. Uh, and I agree with you. Everything that you said about Marvin Harrison Jr., why he won't get, I just think that he should be in that conversation because of because if you truly think about the best players on the planet and you talk about how much he means to his team, Marvin Harrison fits the bill. And that is why I am still going to continue to say his name as a Heisman contender, even though I know uh, by season's end, it's probably going to be three quarterbacks invited to New York for that ceremony. Uh, let's talk about a big game this weekend. We talked about the sign Steelers. Let's talk about their game. Michigan, Penn State, this is a big one. My big question as we look at the storylines of this game, can James Franklin get a signature win? He is 3-3 three and three against Michigan. 
in the last six meetings between these two teams. I call this a signature win just because of how good uh, Michigan has been on both sides of the ball. You could argue a lot of that has to do with the fact that they haven't played anybody good. Uh, But it's interesting because this matchup features two teams with a top 10 scoring offense and a top 10 scoring defense. So this should be an absolute battle in Happy Valley. Yeah, I agree. Like this, not only would it be a signature win, but it it almost, it feels like it's bordering on a must win, honestly, for James Franklin. I mean, not like must win or you're on the hot seat, but like, I don't know, this one's at home. And I really don't see a way that you can walk away from this season as a Penn State fan and feel good about it if you don't win this game. Because even if you don't, you're 10 and 2, you know, maybe if there's a situation where maybe, you know, maybe you get lucky in the same way that you did last year where uh, Michigan and Ohio State both you know, make the playoff. I don't think you get to the Rose Bowl. Because I think the Rose Bowl is a semifinal this year. I might be wrong about that. But regardless, get to Rose the Bowl New Year's is, Six. Yes. Rose Bowl. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. So you're not going to go to the Rose Bowl, but I mean, you, you could get that into that New Year's Six potentially. But that's what they did last year, too. Like, I don't think anyone's going to feel like you've raised the ceiling at all here. Um, and that's what was expected of them this season with a guy like Drew Allard, you know, with this defense, with Nick Singleton. Like, they have the pieces. Now, granted, a lot of those guys are going to be coming back. So it's not like this is a it's a this year or bust kind of thing. But I don't think there's any escaping. that is It's not going to feel good for James Franklin and this Penn State program if they can't find a way to win this game and create some chaos. And, I mean, that's what you have the opportunity to do with a, with a three-way tie here. I mean, at the very least, you are creating chaos, making things difficult for Ohio State and Michigan. And I think that's really what this Penn State fan base wants is to just interrupt that that Penn State uh, – I mean, sorry, that Michigan-Ohio State duopoly at the top of the conference. Yeah, let's, uh, let's not forget that um... – like you said last year, that's that's what they got, and it doesn't really feel like it's much of a win. It's kind of a you know backhanded reward here. You get to play in the Rose Bowl because you weren't one of the top two teams selected to the college football playoff. And I and I agree with you 100. But for the, you know, aside from the sign stealing things, when you look at Michigan, we are finally going to get a a look to find out is Michigan legit. I mean, yeah, we saw how they've been the last two years, but is this team on par with some of those two teams from the last two years? Yeah, and I like you know I keep saying it. I keep saying I think Michigan is the best team in the country. I keep ranking them, ranking them number one in our power rankings. Like they haven't proven it, but they look like it. I mean, they really do, and we're going to find out. I think we're going to find out a lot about how good this team is, particularly the offense. You know, I mean, uh, JJ McCarthy has been really efficient this year. You know, I think, I think it's funny by the way that, 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 that guy said he wouldn't, wouldn't vote for him for the Heisman. Cause I mean, the, the sign stealing stuff has been, it's, it's about the defense. It's about stealing other teams, offensive signs. So it doesn't even really impact JJ McCarthy's production, but whatever. But yeah, I mean, he's got like 18 touchdowns and three picks on the year. He's been really good. Blake Corum leads the nation with 16 touchdowns, uh, not a ton of yards there. It's a little bit of a weird, uh, dynamic there with 16 touchdowns and like 600 something yards but you know he's averaging like more than five a carry though but I mean so they've got an offense that looks really good but they haven't played a defense anything like this Penn State defense and I think you know we'll we'll see about Penn State offensively I mean Drew Allar's coming off the best game of his career against Maryland I don't know how much stock I put in that but we'll see if they've made some progress there but I think the defense is legit for Penn State, right? I mean, like, they did a really good job against Ohio State in that game. I mean, Ohio State didn't win that game because they were moving the ball like crazy offensively. So 
I think we're going to learn a lot about this Michigan team. I mean, and I think if they come out, there's a reality where they come out and dominate this game in a way that Ohio State couldn't. And if they do that, I think it could be very not fun for Ohio State on Thanksgiving again. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you have some great valid points there. And really, when you look at Penn State, my biggest question about them is really when it comes to throwing the football, I really just don't know that they have the playmakers they need. And that showed up against Ohio State when they played them earlier this year. One team had Marvin Harrison, who they could throw to, and the other team didn't. Um, you know, and this will test Michigan to a point. But let's be real. When they play that – when they play the game against – Ohio State, and they're having to try and stop a Mecca, uh, Egbuka, when they're having to try and stop Stover and Marvin Harrison Jr. or Maserati Marv, as, as Gus Johnson calls him, um, they will be tested that game in a way that we're not going to see this week. But this is going to give us some idea because, as you've said, and as I've said, we've kind of had two schools of thought when we've talked about playoff rankings and the best teams. I'm team, what does their resume say? You're team I test. You know, and, and the eye test says that Michigan's good. Well, now we're going to get to find out if the eye test matches the resume or the resume matches the eye test this week. Uh, but let's get into our bold predictions for this upcoming week, uh, which is interesting. We're both going to the Pac-12. So, Tyler, uh, where are you going with your bold prediction this week? Yeah, so, you know, let's circle back a little bit on Colorado a team we haven't really been talking about as much recently, and it's kind of understandable. They've not been playing very well um, on a bit of a losing streak here. But I will say this, uh, and also real quick before I before I say something positive about them, we never even really talked about it on this show last week, but they, uh, they made a very weird decision. Um, they demoted Sean Lewis, the, the offensive coordinator. They hired away from Kent State, was a successful G5 head coach, left to become Dion's OC. They demoted him, took away his play calling duties, uh, promoted Pat Shermer, former NFL coach. And it didn't work out super well for them against Oregon State on Saturday, but that's a, a good Oregon State defense. I think they're going to pull off the upset this weekend against Arizona. An Arizona team that I have you know, heaped a ton of praise on. They've played really good football. They're one of the hottest teams in the entire country right now. I think they're kind of a candidate to regress to the mean a little bit here though. And, you know, I look at Colorado, I think they've played a couple games against really good defenses in UCLA and Oregon state. And those really good defenses have absolutely battered Shador. You know, this offensive line at Colorado is really bad, bad enough that Dion basically just said after a game a couple weeks ago, you know, they asked him, how do you fix the O line? And he said, we go get new linemen. Um, so it's pretty clear that that's a, a limiting factor, but I don't think Arizona is quite built up front to, to really harass Shador the way that the last couple of teams they've played have. And I think they can hit some big plays. I think this is going to be close. I think it's going to be kind of maybe shootouty. I, I kind of like Colorado to get back in the win column though here, which would be a huge win. I will uh, agree with you that I do think that Arizona will regress to the mean. It just ain't going to be this week against Colorado. I got no faith in Colorado. I'm going to keep with my guys out in Arizona, out in Tucson, with the job that Arizona is doing, Jed Fish, uh, who I have said just probably deserves Pac-12 Coach of the Year just based on what he's been able to do. That defense looks legit. Noah Fafita is playing very well. I, I just right now, because they don't have the guys, I, I don't buy into Colorado winning this game but I do think Arizona does come back to earth a little bit next week when they have to go and play Utah. Uh, but this week I I'm going to stick with the Wildcats over Colorado. 
Yeah, I mean, like, I, that's why it's a bold prediction. You know, Colorado is not playing very well recently, but I will say they don't get blown out. I mean, the only team that has really embarrassed them is Oregon. And Oregon basically beat Utah the exact same way. And Utah is a team that no one beats like that. So I think Oregon's just really, really good. And I think Colorado is actually, for all the limitations it's had, I think it's actually acquitting itself decently well against these decent Pac-12 teams. I think they're going to get someone. I think I think they're going to get someone here down the stretch. And this kind of looks like the one that's most likely to me. Uh, they might, they might, if they pull off the win this week, they're probably going to win next week too. And they got to play a bad Washington State team who can't seem to beat anybody right now. Uh, they're looking pretty bad as well. You know, for my bold prediction, I'm going to stick with the Pac-12, but I'm going to go with the Utah Utes. We know Kyle Whittingham is always good for one or two of these games a year. Utah is the two-time defending Pac-12 champs. Uh, they play really good defense, uh, and Washington does not play great defense. So uh, I'm kind of thinking that the Huskies are going to confuse us again and make us take a Bryson Barnes as a decent quarterback once more. Uh, give me the Utes to upset uh, Washington, which kind of goes with what I said at the very beginning of the show, where uh, we're going to see Washington as a pretender. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting pick. I like it. I don't think I'm quite ready to go there, but I do like it. I think the logic there is sound when you look at the way that Utah has played against USC, a team that I think USC is maybe almost maybe Washington to like even more extremes. Like I think their offense is is slightly better and I think their defense is maybe even worse, but I think that they're they're built pretty similarly and we've seen that that Utah matches up pretty well against that. Uh, I mean – my concern here is is Utah's offense. Like, I mean, I think it's it's really not that good. I, I mean, the, what they did against USC was pretty much an anomaly. And I mean, we're going to find out how much of a problem Washington's defense really is. I mean, I think if they more or less contain Utah in this game, I'll be sort of, I don't know, putting the pitchforks away on on Washington defensively. I think that if they can handle it, handle this game okay, I'll maybe be back towards you know maybe this team can can get can beat Oregon again. Uh, you know, if this is the Bryson Barnes game though, again, like it was against USC, buddy, they might be in trouble. They, they very much might be in trouble. And Hey, that's why we call these things bold predictions. Not exactly a likely event, but one where we're going to roll the dice and let's talk about locks of the week, Tyler, as we, as we wrap up this episode of the college 12 pack, you know, I'm, I feel like I've, I've been beating this drum for a few weeks and I've been right, but I'm just going to keep, I'm going to keep playing the hot hand. Uh, I was really looking at this game. I'm going with the Oklahoma state game against UCF in Orlando. I don't care that it's on the road. I think Oklahoma state is going to win this game, uh, but that's not my lock. My lock is that Ollie Gordon, the second is going to go off again. If you look at this US, UCF team, sorry, UCF defense, especially run defense, they're the worst in the Big 12, and they're ranked 130 out of 133 FBS teams at slowing down the run. That There's not a whole lot of teams out there with a worse run defense uh, than the Knights. So uh, give me Oklahoma State and Ollie Gordon to do it once again. Yeah, you know, credit to UCF. They've played a couple, you know, very competitive games this year. And they got they finally got their first Big 12 win last week against a bad Cincinnati team. Um, but it was close against a bad Cincinnati team. And that 
kind of tells me all I need to know coming into this game. I think Oklahoma State, I mean, as, as we've said, playing really good football right now. Um, and, and I just don't really see how, especially with UCF team that struggles against the run like this one does, I just don't really see a way they're going to pull it off. This UCF team just not not really there yet. I think I think I would say honestly, you could maybe argue Houston too, but I would say this team is the one that has showed like the most flashes of being ready to compete in the Big Twelve, but again, still just not there. Um, Oklahoma State shouldn't have any problems in this game, and I don't really see a way that they roll without Ollie Gordon also having a huge day. So. Absolutely. All right. So let's go with your lock of the week, Tyler. Um, are we going back out West for this one? Yeah, we are going back out West because I'm a noted West coast Homer, as we all know. Um, but yeah, going back out to the West coast, look, Oregon, I, I kind of hinted at this on Monday. Uh, Oregon is going to do some really scary things to USC. I think in this game, I am, I am very, very concerned for how USC is going to hold up. I think this has the makings of being Notre Dame 2.0 in the sense of the way that game played out. And I think Oregon's front seven is a lot, is, is even better than Notre Dame's is. And Notre Dame was able to put pressure on Caleb in a way that no one else really has been. I think he's going to have a lot of similar troubles in this game. We'll see if he handles it better in terms of his decision-making. I think that'll be a big moment for him and his development. Uh, but when you look at what this USC defense is playing like, I mean, you know, first game with interim DC, co-interim DCs, I believe is actually how they handled that one. I could be wrong, but um Anyway, we'll see how that looks in the first game. Maybe maybe give some sort of spark. Don't think it's really going to matter that much against this Oregon team. You know, Heisman candidate quarterback and Bo Nix. And you look at what they just did, you know, giving up uh, giving up quarter grand on the ground to, uh, to Dylan Johnson. I think Bucky Irving is going to absolutely go off in this game. So, yeah, my bold prediction is Oregon demolishes USC, wins by at least three touchdowns. And that's spread is 15 and a half, 15 and a half, I think. Oh, I'm easily taking Oregon minus 15 and a half in this game. Uh, I, I did that on my tally side picks this week. That'll be up on College Sports Wire tomorrow. Uh, but let, let's uh, – I want to look at this. The USC, you talked about it. They've got one of the worst scoring defenses in the league. Uh, so I was just checking out the numbers. The only team with a worst scoring defense in conference play in the Pac-12 than USC would be California, who Oregon just demolished. Um they're giving up 46 and a half points per game. USC's at 36.4. Over the last three games, USC giving up 45 points a game on defense. That's bad. Oregon's offense is fantastic. Like I said, I'm beating the dro- the Bo Nicks drum. I believe in the Ducks this weekend, covering that spread. And uh, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say it. Oregon drops a 50-burger. Uh, on USC this weekend as they continue to roll on and uh, get ready for that Pac-12 title game in Las Vegas later on uh, in the early parts of December, which is crazy to think that we're less than a month away from conference championships, which means we're that much closer to Selection Sunday. All the bowl games, my favorite time of year. I love bowl season. Watching college football every single day of the month of December. Uh, But that's going to do it for this edition of the College 12-Pack. Uh, We will be back next week, wrap up some of the games, talk about some storylines, and maybe we're going to get some some sort of headway on this whole sign-stealing scandal. I mean, we've heard rumors of the Big Ten might lay down a punishment, and the litigation that's going to follow is going to be something to watch. uh, 
sports shows might turn into crime TV. I mean, that's what that's what it all might feel like. In the future. Uh, but for Tyler, I'm Patrick. See you next week.